Time, bitches. Only one more week till Bazoween. The biological clock is ticking. Be in front of your podcast listening devices for the sexy horrorthon, and remember the big fingering at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your regulation podcast under the stairs crotchless undergarments. The biological clock is ticking. It's almost time to get fingered. podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 284. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on bonus episode 284 is Movie Club Time Challenge Teapots for September 2020. It is the listener reviews on this episode and we are starting a four month jaunt into black exploitation horror. The movie I selected first in our journey is JD's Revenge and can I just say I have been humbled and overwhelmed by the response plenty of reviews coming up after the first break before we get to that as always let's catch up with where we are under the stairs this week is a busy week if you are a fan of what comes out from under the stairs as well as the teapots collective tons of content to sink your gnashers into it all began on Monday, oh sexy Monday, where we dropped the final year in the Summer Teapot's Top 10 series, looking at 2009. And between that though, we also dropped the very final episode of Opera Omnia Season 1, an interview, a kind of decompression so to speak from Ben Wheatley as myself and Mr Watson got to grips with the fact that we are ending our podcast relationship, uh, only to renew a new one somewhere down the line for sure. Now on top of that this week from that side of the the feeds 
uh, on the Teapots Collective. You've got the new instalment of Chronicle as well, looking at the Borderlands. That one was delayed due to a myriad of technical difficulties, which were finally resolved, and it was felt great to finally see that episode birthed out into the ether. Um, obviously, you've got the bonus episode dropping today. Uh, covering Movie Club. On Saturday, you are getting a special bonus review of a brand new horror title about to be released in the UK. And then on Sunday, 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 it is, of course, the Tate Films Slasher Classic Collection. We are running the train on a movie called Blood Harvest. Now, on the collective, though, things are not slowing down there at all. Um, in fact, before the week is out, you will have the next instalment of Where to Begin with Jallo. And then early next week, before the end of the month, you'll get the first episode of Season 2 of Opera Omni as I'm joined by the phenomenal Richard Glenn Smith to begin our journey into the four movies by Peter Strickland, kicking off with a little bit of rape revenge in Catelyn Varga. So that is what is all lined up for you sweet people this week. Next week on the podcast Under the Stairs, expect a ear bashing if ever there was one. On Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday consecutively, you're going to get roundtable episodes, each of them in excess of four and a half hours in length. Sorry about that. And then on Thursday, the 1st of October, we kick off officially Bazaween 2020 as Baz gets cereal, cereal as Baz looks at some serial killers. Balshaw, I'm looking forward to dealing up a episode of Zodiac for your listening pleasure. And then, as if things weren't busy enough, on Friday you get a bonus episode. That bonus episode, ladies and gents, is kicking off your movie club for October. There will be no planned Saturday episode. We will be foregoing that just because of the sheer volume of episodes that dropped before. And then on Sunday, 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 it is time to do a little bit of the Arrow video assortment. And also, a little bit of that Dylan the Nasty coming from the Teapots Collective. So as you can see, between now and the end of next week, ladies and gents, there is in excess of 10 episodes of podcast content. Don't say I don't spoil you and that this is not the best value for money because you don't pay any and I don't ask you to. So there we go. As simple as that. Right, I'm going to take a short break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for JD's Revenge when we return. We're getting all sassy as we talk about um maybe lesser covered black exploitation movie and I'm not entirely sure why it's not one of the names that ranks up beside the heavy hitters but it's not my opinion that you're here here it's yours and I'll be coming right up right after this did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. it's a dead issue man don't don't push it cinema psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject no one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. It's unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. 
obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you should be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How be did a rough you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. You go on guy with a good looking woman, but something awful is going to happen. There's big trouble coming. It's JD's revenge. Listen, man, ain't nothing wrong with my soul. There was a real mean killing, and the wrong guy died. They buried his body, but his soul survived for JD's revenge. Lately, I've been getting these headaches, you know? I've never felt this lost before in my life. You beat me up. Ike, you, uh... I don't remember doing any of those things. Maybe something is happening to me. The reincarnation of a killer who came back from the dead to possess a man's soul, make love to his woman, and get the vengeance he craved. I'm flipping out. He's my baby sister, Betty Joe. You're my baby sister, Betty Joe. They are my enemies. They're my enemies. one weird nigger. I mean, I'm cracking up, man. I blacked out. Glenn Terman, the star of Cooley High. What in the world have you done to yourself? I ain't seen a get up like that in 25 years. <laughs> yeah. Joan Pringle. Well, my business is weird. Theotis. Lou Gossett. There is no danger, Theotis. This nigga's crazy. I'm the craziest nigga you ever gonna meet. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't himself. Don't nobody talk to me like that. He turned into this, into this monster, a whole other person. Scared of your dad. There is something wrong with Ike. Tonight he kept saying he was this J.D. Walker. J.D. Walker's been dead for over 30 years. It's J.D. Walker. What the hell do you mean J.D. Walker is back? This boy is possessed by the spirit of J.D. Walker. Oh, you're a jack-leg preacher now, huh, Elijah? J.D.'s voice. Hey, that good for nothing, brother, y'all. And his manner? I got scored to send it with him. You were possessed. You just killed Betty Joe. <laughs> Forty years later, on someone else's face, you can see J.D. Walker's hatred. Time just won't erase J.D.'s revenge. I'll have my revenge. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So let's kick us off with a little audio review. Up first, our buddy Rafael Fernandez has this to say about J.D.'s revenge. So beyond Shaft and a handful of other films, I don't have a whole lot of experience with genuine 70s exploitation movies. So I'm excited for this four-month run of Challenge Teapot's films. My poor understanding is that while the stories and characters are crafted to appeal to a black audience, the traditional white-owned Hollywood power structure financed and produced most of the films. Though I think there are some independent films that are black-owned, so to speak. But the movement deserves credit for highlighting the black experience on screen not always in a flattering light, and giving work to and spawning careers for black actors who maybe wouldn't have found as much success struggling through the mainstream Hollywood system. Plus, I'm given to understand that plenty of these films are actually pretty good films. JD's Revenge was a first-time watch on Amazon Prime and was not really what I expected from a exploitation movie. I did expect more of a glorification of lowlifes, like drug dealers and pimps, all within a crime story, 
but it wasn't that at all. The first thing I really liked about JD's Revenge was the premise. It felt like it could have been a Twilight Zone episode for most of the movie, minus the happy ending. A normal guy has an encounter with the supernatural that threatens to turn his world upside down. In this case, mild-mannered Isaac, attending law school while making an honest living as a cab driver, becomes possessed by the aggressive spirit of a murdered hood, J.D., who threatens to destroy Isaac's relationship with his girl and get him locked up for J.D.'s wrongdoing. I liked how fun the J.D. character was in some scenes, in particular the scene where he attacks the old woman in his cab with his cab before kicking her out of the cab, and also when he fights the husband of the woman he picked up at the nightclub. Come on, get the fuck on out of my goddamn car! Kill you, Please, bitch! Get no. off of me! What the no. fuck is wrong with you? You crazy? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I fucked your woman. Sucker. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna cut you every which way for this. I really wanted more of that JD Walker, and less of the rapey abuser JD. The mirror motif was well done. It looked to me that there were some shots where, when JD was in control, Isaac's reflection was in one mirror, but when Isaac regained control, he moved so that his reflection was in a different mirror. I also liked the visual effect of the actual JD Walker appearing in the reflections. It was fun seeing Louis Gossett Jr. in something else. Uh, my film experience with him was limited to Enemy Mine and Iron Eagle a.k.a. Top Gun's idiot brother. His performance was good, but the dialogue his character Reverend Elijah Bliss was saddled with wasn't great, especially his sermon. I had a hard time believing that a preacher would attract such a cult following with such hollow words. But to be honest, brilliant wordsmiths who could fool even the film audience are probably the hardest characters to write. If J.D.'s revenge were made a decade or two later, I think Isaac's girl, Christella, would have been a much stronger character. I thought that since she and Isaac's relationship was at the center of the drama, and since they loved each other, she should have been motivated to research what was happening to her man. They're in New Orleans. If any town has a 24-hour occult bookstore, it's got to be New Orleans. It's cliched, I'm sure, but she could have also hit the library microfiche newspaper archives for stories on J.D. Walker as well. And she should have had a role somewhere during the climax when J.D.'s belated revenge plot finally cooks off, instead of just showing up at the hospital to greet a cured Isaac. I thought it was strange that Christella made the excuses for her man beating her up that battered women these days would be criticized for making. I don't know if that was supposed to be an ironic message itself on domestic abuse or just the times. I don't think it would have bothered me if I saw this when I was a teenager. And speaking of the times... I think it's a good thing to, to go upside of a woman's head when, when, when she starts handing your lip. I mean, believe it or not, they like that. I compared J.D.'s Revenge to The Twilight Zone partially to say that, to me, the story would have made a better, cut-down, hour-long television episode than the hour-and-a-half movie it is. I thought the plot meandered a bit too much in the middle, and except for J.D.'s violence against Christella, I didn't feel like the stakes were ramping up like they should have. The excitement level was a bit flat, in other words. But it did pick up nicely toward the end when JD became a fun character. All in all, I'll give JD's Revenge a respectable three stars. 
It would have made a better television episode. I wanted more of J.D. Walker being crazy fun and less rapey. And Christella's character was a bit weak. But I love the premise. P.S. Did J.D. seriously bone his niece? That's pretty gross. For my tagline, you better hide your kids, hide your wife, because J.D. Walker's all up in here. Yeah, it sucks. Thanks for listening, everybody. And I look forward to hearing what everyone else has to say about J.D.'s revenge. And thank you very much to our buddy Rafael Fernandez for submitting in that review. Up next, let's go to a written review in from our buddy Don Anelli. He says, here we go with another round of Listener Movie Club and I was shocked to find out that this was a first time watch for me. This has always been a film I thought I had seen, but it turns out that I hadn't, as in 10 minutes in, I couldn't remember the characters and nothing seemed familiar at all. So now off to find the film I had been confusing with JD's Revenge. Dude, I have that all the fucking time. Uh, It gets worse the older you get as well, Don, so that's something to look forward to, I suppose. Uh, Anyway, back to your review, it says, And for this one here, it's a quite decent enough, if overall unspectacular effort. The fact that this one does go for the possession route, yet doesn't follow through with the vast majority of the intended storylines is quite a nice feat, though it still has a lot of the same familiar tricks, ranging from the behavioural changes to the manner of keeping his characteristics in check through the hypnotism angle that makes for quite fun times here. The action is certainly decent enough and it has enough stalking and slashing that comes off rather nicely with a solid pacing that keeps it moving along even if the film really isn't all that great. The main issue here is the film's ideas of showcasing the terror aren't actually all that horrific and merely wearing a different style of clothing and hanging out with a different group of people isn't enough by themselves to inspire fear. These are more supplemental elements rather than the main focus and it can lead to some rather lame sections of time where they're worried about these issues which aren't actually that big of a deal. The one Uh, This one also manages to utilise a rather disturbing scene from an animal slaughterhouse way too often and it does nothing for the film. But otherwise, there's not much else to this one. I'm going in with a generous 3.5 out of 5 on the Netflix scale here and as for the tagline, let's see, the ghetto was rough enough before the baddest man in town got his revenge. I know it's shit, but close enough. And as always, take care everyone and stay safe wherever you are. Thank you very much for that review, Don. Always great to hear from you, buddy. I hope everything is going well in your corner of the world. And the next review comes in from our good buddy, Andrew Valdez, who says, JD's Revenge from 1976, directed by Arthur Marks and stars Glenn Thurman, Louis Gossett Jr. and Joan Pringle. One night, young college student Ike, his girlfriend Christella, and two friends make a stop at a club. Ike participates in a hypnotist performance where his body is possessed by J.D. Walker, a gangster from the 1940s who was murdered along with his sister. Now under the influence of J.D., Ike finds himself under the influence and control of J.D.'s spirit. At any time, capable of turning from even-tempered Ike to the prone to violence J.D., who takes his aggressive tendencies out on bystanders as well as his own girlfriend. As JD takes over Ike's body and affects his life, he seeks out the ones who killed him. 
Those who learn of Ike's behaviour and ultimately his ordeal include a police detective and former lover of Christella, as well as Reverend Elijah Bliss. Initially, Christella's former lover simply believes Ike is an abusive boyfriend, while Reverend Bliss wants to save Ike from his possession. This was a first time watch for me, but one that I'd heard of through a couple of podcasts, including the podcast Under the Stairs. I watched a handful of black exploitation films in my life, so the genre is now is not completely new to me. What stands out about GD's Revenge from your Superflies or your Foxy Brims, though, is the horror element. While still including and addressing such social issues as black on black violence and the abuse of women, two issues that are common in black exploitation films, uh, and also while often seeking um, usually justifiable revenge in movies, is this one. We aren't actually rooting for JD, but for Ike, knowing that his true nature is mild-mannered and sweet. So when we see him take these violent turns, we don't watch with a feeling of being on his side, but with the concern that it's affecting his relationship he has with his girlfriend and his friends. Whilst not explicit, there is a scene where he's assaulting his girlfriend, which is particularly uncomfortable, but intentionally so. JD's Revenge is not as commonly known, I believe, within this genre, but it is a gem worthy of attention and discussion. It's entertaining while still addressing the subject of abuse, making sure not to dismiss it or justify it. I enjoyed this film and would recommend it for those who want to explore the genre further. It's not quite as fun as movies like Superfy or Foxy Brown, but one that brings a new approach to the genre. I give this a rating of 3.5 out of 5. There's two 3.5s out of 5 back to back. Thank you very much, Andrew Valdez. So there we go. Right, uh, let's continue. The good times are rolling, rolling. Uh, and we will swing into a audio review submitted in from our good buddy, Kate Pollock. Kate says... Hi Duncan, hi Movie Club, hope everyone's doing good and whatnot. Um, I am recording this on the first day of autumn so I'm feeling pretty good and ready for the spooky season. Um, anyway, here is my review for JD's Revenge. Um, so full disclosure, I have never watched a black exploitation movie in my life. Not for real any kind of reason, I just haven't. Um, so during the course of this season of Movie Club, if I make any kind of fatal errors with regards to black exploitation tropes or anything like that that kind of you should know if you if you know anything about it um please put that down to naivety um but i am ho- hoping sorry to learn lots along the way too so that will be good um so yeah so with that with that in mind um i quickly learned uh, that the way to enjoy these movies or at least this one um is i have to kind of put my sense of any kind of sense of feminism or wokeness for lack of a better term to the side um <laughs> so yeah but once i did that you know i actually really fucking like this movie um I thought the plot was really interesting um, and I thought generally it was well paced and, and well put together. Um, the opening scene was great. If we start from the beginning, the, the opening scene um, I really enjoyed. I thought it created a lot of sort of intrigue and I liked how we were pretty much kept in the dark about what really happened until like the very end. Um, on that note, actually, I really liked the reveals because although it is a bit of an info dump, I thought the reactions from the characters were fantastic, especially Elijah. Um, you know he's he he had had quite a lot of information thrown at him um and i just thought that the way because his character is quite eccentric and i just thought that the way all of that humanity came through um you know i thought louis uh, gossett jr did a really good job now i know that he is supposed to be quite um an established actor from what i sort of gathered had a quick look into him um 
you know, but I just thought that he's got, he, you know, he's this really eccentric um, evangelizer. Is that yeah that's how you pronounce it um and he has this real kind of electric energy but then he just sort of effortlessly slides into this grieving and caring father like within like you know a millisecond and um you know i just thought i thought that was really excellent how his responses to all of this really awful news the fact that he has you know unnecessarily felt um you know like he owed his brother and you know the like the news that his daughter isn't his and all of this you know um i just thought that that was really well handled um i also really loved um while on the subject i really loved glenn turnan who plays our main protagonist ike and also our main protagonist no wait and wait no protagonist antagonist i always get those two mixed up antagonist um jd um so he plays both and yeah just just give this guy all the awards just all of them um he was just so fantastic he was such a joy to watch he clearly relished portraying this like really old school gangster and just really embellished on those stereotypes but he did it with a real kind of subtlety like it was over the top yes but it wasn't pantomime um you know he's he was still really threatening when he needed to be but there was this kind of like delightful playfulness that he really just brought through in his performance that i really loved i I thought it really just made it even more unnerving as this character you know um jd is is such a time bomb um and how he sort of switches back and forth between jd and ike is just so well executed all of his nuances his body language you know know, it doesn't matter what he's wearing or whatever you can tell just from looking at him who he is in that moment and I, I was just really impressed by him um so yeah and um you know Christella who plays who plays his uh, sorry who is his wife um uh you know she's she is a, a quite an interesting character um because I think she has a lot of vulnerability which really comes forward but she's still quite strong like she's she's not vulnerable in a wimpy way like I didn't get irritated by her um I just felt a lot of empathy um I'll talk about that in a, in a sort of like a little bit um although I mean at the end sort of going back to the ending um you know I, I did sort of think that she was a bit too forgiving <laughs> of Ike's actions. Although we know that it's really JD. And although, yes, there is this theory of a possession, I still think that she was a little bit sort of forgiving. There wasn't really any kind of ounce of trepidation or, or PTSD from um, the attacks her, you know, she suffered from her husband. Um, but, you know, it's fine, whatever. Um, <laughs> and I think, that, I think that is kind of key. Like, you have to just kind of have fun with this movie. Um, you know, this whole thing, this whole film just has it in abundance, just loads of fun and... Um, and all of this and I just had such a blast while watching it um there are some darker bits I will come back to that but I just think like this kind of movie is the best kind of thing where you just strap yourself in you get ready for the ride and just kind of let it let it kind of wash over you and have fun um and you can tell that the cast as well are really having a great time and even the ridiculousness of it sort of at the end and stuff you know not only Christella but also Ike even is quite accepting of this potential possibility that he could be possessed at any time like he does react but it's pretty chilled out considering (laughs) and I was like yeah let's just go get some drinks let's just let's just go have some food yeah I'm starving what's up you know it's just like okay cool I guess I guess we've moved on then um (laughs) but yeah I think it's nice though because I mean every now and then you know you do like to have a bit of a positive ending and it seems to fit well with the movie overall you know so um it's it's kind of a criticism but but not really um so as I've said you know this this movie is a lot of fun but it also 
can be really brutal when it's needed. Um, the attempted rape and the beating of um, Christella by Ike, well, by JD, but in Ike's body, um, was really particularly uncomfortable, especially when you can just, just consider like how out of left field that that would have been for Christella. Um, like Ike is normally so pleasant. He's, he's pretty mild, kind of chilled out guy. Um, you know, so even like even without the sudden burst of violence um and you add in just the confusion of the fact that he just seems to have a completely different personality like a complete personality transplant um you know you have to kind of sort of think like what that must be like for his wife um and i really do yeah as i said earlier i did really feel kind of like sorry for her um through those scenes um another scene i thought was pretty disturbing was um the bit where he goes and sleeps with the woman in the club and he comes and he's at the house and his her husband sorry comes back um and sort of catches them and i just thought how jd kind of plays with both of them like taunting them during what i mean you know without any of the violence that happens that scene in itself is just for a couple is a really emotionally driven scene i think like whether it's from distress or anger or whatever you know um let alone when you throw in the fact that he's just taunting the guy and and cutting him up and you know all of that kind of stuff um I just yeah if you kind of think about it it's really really dark um I do love that <laughs> I do love that how he, even though he's on this like revenge rampage shall we call it he's uh, like JD he still gets time to go and get his dick wet like <laughs> oh, fuck's sake um from what I know I, this yeah this does seem something that is kind of typical of black exploitation movies um I think um but yeah it, it made me chuckle <laughs> um also quick thing did anyone else pick up that he also shags his niece well that's his niece like he knows that does it anyway yeah no that's yeah not 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 okay with that um but it does it does add this really kind of cool extra layer of just ick factor um and violation which i think is you know it's very fitting for jd's character um i also think it's kind of interesting how they play with this idea of an anti-hero um jd is he's not a good man and he acts terribly throughout but ultimately he is a victim um and we do understand his need for revenge um you know insofar that he was done wrong and his sister was killed and all of that and and i just think that that makes for interesting viewing um the ultimate hero is ike but i still think that we are supposed to feel empathy for jd um and that's not you know considering what he does throughout the movie it's not always a a comfortable position to be sat in um so yeah so I, i quite like that Looking at the way it's filmed, um, I really like the setting. We're in New Orleans and um, considering that um, this is essentially a supernatural movie, there's none of your typical voodoo swampiness that would usually come from a movie being set there like that. Um, Especially where like the movie focuses on the black community, it would have been such an easy thing to do. Like any other movie, they probably would have gone there in some form. Um, But with this movie, there's quite a lot of realism. um, And I think that that is uh, sort of... um, I guess supported for lack of a better term by by the industrial settings and things um it just helps to ground the movie you know as i say it's, it's a possession movie but there's no jump scares there's there's no flying objects head spins vomiting none of that um it's all very real um and i just thought it was a really different way of doing things i, I really liked that um I also really like their use of mirrors. Um, not only do we have JD reflected back in them in, instead of Ike, um, which I thought was a really clever way of indicating what was actually going on, but also like Ike, Ike is shown in mirrors or reflections or just through windows quite a lot. And I think that that's a really great way to just convey how he's slowly losing himself as he slips into this kind of 
dual personality or possession or you know whatever I just yeah I thought that was really clever and, and nicely done um so there wasn't too much gore um I thought the blood was quite gooey and over the top you know JD loves a, a good slash on it um and dare I say it, it's almost jello-esque um <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, the, yeah, so that that was quite. It was quite fun. It was you know it it was sort of minimal gore, but um, it it was good fun when it happened. Um, the effects, to be honest, I didn't think were overly great in that department. Um, but that could just be the way that they are done in black exploitation. Like you know, with as I mentioned, Jello, like Jello, it is bright red. It's not like really what blood looks like. It's very, and that is just what what you know what happens in that genre it, it's probably just the same thing um and I'm, I'm just not aware of it but yeah um that's sort of like really the only kind of um criticism I have on it um oh yeah one last thing the score the score um yeah score is great it, I mean it's just your typical kind of exploitation kind of stuff I'm not going to give an example but you all know what I mean um it's really exciting it's really cool um and you know it's it's got really good moments of tension building and sort of um uh, sort of really great emotional moments as well when it's needed um i think that the mu- music really just sort of creates a particular vibe which yeah i know that is the point of a score um but the exploitation sound is so unique it's so well known like even me who has really no exper- experience with these with this genre um and these kinds of movies you know i know what that music sounds like and it just immediately gets you into that mind frame of like you know you know what you're in for um you know it just elevates that whole enjoyment factor of like yeah let's let's get on this ride and and have a ton of fun with it strap ourselves in kind of thing um so yeah so overall i really fucking like this movie um and yeah as, as a sort of a first movie to watch of the genre it's a really encouraging introduction um and it's leaving me very optimistic for the movies to come um so yeah i couldn't really give it anything less than a four point uh, sorry no yeah 4.5 out of 5 um and my tagline although i'm not really very good at these but my tagline is revenge in your woman jd walker wants them both <laughs> so yeah <laughs> um thanks very much duncan um for for choosing this movie and uh, it will be great to hear everybody else's thoughts and um probably more um learned people than me <laughs> uh, in this genre and yeah i'll catch you next time cheers and thanks very much to Kate for submitting that review. Always great to hear from you, Kate. You were so cheery in that. Like you were just like, yay! And also, I think the grade reflected that. I'm maybe more along the lines of your grade, uh, somewhere between what we're having from the majority of people thus far and what you've put in. I'm about I'm a bit of four for this movie, but I'm glad that it's grabbed your attention. Um, we have some slightly more headier subject matter to get into and all-out fucking balls to the wall, Lunacy, before the series is finished. So we'll, we'll give you the rims for sure in black exploitation, and by the end you'll be a pro. Uh, right, so let's do another audio review. This one coming in from our buddy David Garrett Jr. David says... Hello, Duncan and T-Puts listeners. David Garrett Jr. here, back again for September 2020's Movie Club Challenge. And then for this month, of course, now we're shifting over to the United States for some black exploitation. Now, this is a movie that I've only briefly heard about on a podcast, and I'm not even sure which one, but I didn't really know a whole lot about it. And I do know it also came up on the Horror Noir, A History of Black Horror documentary, so I did see some clips on there, but I don't really remember them delving too much into this movie. So it was one that, when you recommended it, I had a whole didn't really have a whole lot of knowledge on what it was so I came in pretty blind outside of those few things that I had already said 
Now, really, the backstory to this is that it takes place in New Orleans. We start back in 42, where a young woman of Betty Jo is murdered, and her brother was murdered also in the same process, which I didn't even pick up on that they were brother and sister until much later into the movie. But what ends up happening that is in the modern day of 1976, Ike, who is Glenn Thurman, ends up being possessed and with this ghost of J.D. Walker, who is the gangster from the past. Now, this movie was kind of interesting here for me, and actually this whole subgenre is, because I've seen your major ones like Blackula, Scream, Blackula, Scream, and then I know last February I did delve into a couple more there, like I did watch Abby, but I'm not really all that versed, but at first I originally thought that these exploitation films were mocking black people, but it wasn't until I realized that they usually had a predominantly black cast and was either made by directors that were black or... Or had people that would direct it, like I know Larry Cohen did some of these type of films as well. Now, this is interesting to me, like I was saying, because I did watch Abby last February, and this feels kind of similar to that movie there with some of the subject matter that we're dealing with. Now, I know that was a knockoff of The Exorcist, but I do wonder if this film borrowed anything from Richard Matheson's Stir of Echoes, because that's kind of what we get here in that Ike is opened up after a hypnotist does uh, her kind of show on stage and then he ends up seeing some violent images from the night that JD was murdered and then from that point on he is you know much of a person but what I really like here though is that Ike seems like a great guy who's just doing what he can to better himself I mean he's a law student and everything but then I think that it's really interesting though to make the stakes so high for him and then you know having him be possessed by this gangster And what I do like here is that for the possession, they don't delve into it being religious, which is something you don't normally see. And that's why I kind of think it's like Stir of Echoes. And because we never really learn what Ike's religion is, and it doesn't really matter. I do like the only religion that we get here is the Reverend Bliss, who is the great Louis Gossick Jr., which I remember seeing him in movies when I was growing up, but I don't really remember like what titles he would have been in. I think he might have been in the Iron Eagle movies. But what I love here is that he's a former gangster, and now that his new, you know, quote, racket, unquote, is to be this reverend who's very charismatic. Now, I'm not here to criticize religion, but I have my issues with what we get here where people are using it to take advantage of other things. That's not to say that I liked everything in this movie, though. I did have some issues with the acceptance of the misogyny that we had here. Now, I do admit that I have the benefit of seeing these with 2020 eyes for the first time. I just hate the justification of the misogyny that we got in this movie. Ike's girlfriend of Chris knows that Ike is, you know, what he's doing is wrong when he's hitting her and everything like that. I mean, I can't blame Ike because he is possessed by, you know, this gangster and, you know, by a bad guy. But she seems to be a little bit too accepting of it and actually justifies it, which we see when she's talking to her ex-husband of Carl and how he brings up how he thought she didn't like rough guys and wants, you know, to stop Ike in any way that he can. She justifies, like I said, over the lunch and ends up taking Ike back. He did promise he would never do it again, but I feel like this is a classic line that abusive, significant others will use. To add to this here as well is that Tony, Ike's best friend, tells him that sometimes you have to get rough with your girl and that they like it. This is just flawed thinking that bothers me. Again, I'm not going to hold it too much against the movie, though, because, you know, it is from 1976, so we're dealing with a movie that is almost 45 years old. 
other than that, I do feel that Chris also buys into that Ike is possessed a little bit too quickly. I guess I could see her doing this because she could be religious and that she's, and this is also at the height of, you know, like the satanic panic type thing here. But I mean, I could also see it as her way of justifying that she doesn't believe he is who he is. We do get a kind of interesting information dump, though, when Carl brings this up to his boss of Captain Turner, and he recognizes the name of J.D. Walker when Carl says it, and he has brings up the how he died, you know, all the way back in the 40s. Now, despite those issues I have, I don't really think it's any of the acting. I think it's more of how things were written. It is fun to see... Thurman in this movie because I do remember him I believe from Gremlins as the teacher that they bring the Mogwai to. His performance here as Ike is good and I like the bad version that he's playing as you know the possessed JD as I think there's a distinct enough there and he makes me hate him which is what you need in this type of thing because I do like the character of Ike. And then also on top of that I like that he's a law student because I know these black exploitation films will put will put these people into positions of like power so it's good to see he's a law student and then his best friend is also i believe is a med student which i do think that crud up outside of you know some of his lines that he has i think he was good and it's also fun to see a younger gossip in this movie as kind of a snake oil salesman preacher who's running for the mayor thought the rest of the cast was pretty solid as well thought it was pretty interesting that pretty much every predominant woman in this movie we do get to see topless at least which i'm never going to complain about Outside of that, I think the effects are good. They're not great, but I think they do well with the cinematography. The blood is a bit orange, but that's just the 70s. And I like their use of mirrors in this movie. They establish it pretty early on, and then when Ike is possessed, I like that we get to see JD in them. I know it's not the greatest effect I've ever seen, but it does work for me. And the last thing I just didn't really care for is I don't think they necessarily flesh out the revenge aspect of the movie all of that well. They do at least bring it like full circle so to end everything. So I'm just glad that you selected this movie and that I've seen this now. I don't love this movie. I think it's got some good aspects, but it does have some flaws that don't necessarily sit great with me. So I did come in with a 3.5 out of 5 on the T-Put scale. And the tagline that I came up with is, Ike is your typical law student until he's possessed by the gangster J.D. Walker. He's a bad man, back in the flesh, and ready to get his revenge. As I said, not the greatest at doing these, but glad you kind of, you know, forced me to get out of that comfort zone like I keep saying. Excited to hear everybody else's thoughts on this movie and to see what is selected for the next one. This is David Garrett Jr. signing off. And a big thank you to David Garrett Jr. for submitting in that review. Another 3.5. I'm starting to see a trend. Uh, Let's go to another written review. This one from our buddy Tim Walker. Tim says, hello, Duncan and Teapot's people. Well, we're starting a new set of films for Movie Club, but this time it's not a location so much as a subgenre, black exploitation horror. A subgenre I have limited experience with. I hope you and your listeners won't be disappointed, Duncan, but I don't have any strong feelings about black exploitation either way. I've yet to see any I have loved or I have hated. They're right in the middle. At least all I've seen so far. So this movie's this month's movie is the possession thriller JD's Revenge. It was a first time watch. It was more or less what I expected until I got near the end. Louis Gossett Jr.'s part in the film kinda took me by surprise. The movie elevated a bit there, but so did the acting. The first part of the movie was definitely a chance for the lead actor Glenn Turman to spread his wings and maybe overact a little. To be fair, the character of J.D. Walker, no relation, was pretty over the top as written, and that was fun. 
Then his character got pretty damn abusive towards his girlfriend. Well, not JD's girlfriend, but Isaac's girlfriend. Isaac, turn, being the character Terman starts out playing, the Dr. Jekyll of the film, if you will. Very nice guy who would never hurt anyone. The abuse scenes change up more than a bit because, unlike the first part of the film, they're not that much fun to watch. I'm not sure if I'd go as far as to call them disturbing, but they were not pleasant. Then there's the surprisingly emotional and well-acted finale, including Gossett Jr.'s character having a much larger role to play. So the movie was a bit all over the place in tone. Did I like it? Overall, yeah I did, but I can't ignore how disorientating it got with the tone. At times it seems like they were going for high drama or goofball humour and for the disturbing portrayal of an abusive relationship. On the surface, it's just a black exploitation version of a classic Twilight Zone episode like Dead Man's Shoes or The Four of Us Are Dying. Or obviously Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, done in black exploitation form. We're going to get to that, by the way. Uh, but this movie goes in a wide variety of directions. Just be prepared for that. Um, so how high would I rate this one considering all that? I'd say wait for it, surprise surprise, three and a half stars out of five, so it fits in with the other black exploitation horror films I've seen. None getting a five or even four and a half stars, but none getting less than a three. Like I said, they're all right in the middle so far. Duncan, you may end up picking one that I flat out love or hate. Maybe. I hope that you like the reviews regardless. Tagline? That's right, I almost forgot. Let's try this. GD Walker was gunned down for a crime he didn't commit. He's back from the grave and ready for revenge, so get out of his way, sucker. I don't know, maybe I should have added the line Jive Turkey in there somewhere? Oh well. Well, I hope that review works. It was a positive one, three and a half stars out of five, ain't bad. I hope I dig the next ones as much. Stay safe out there and don't be a Jive Turkey, everyone. Take care, Duncan, and tea putts, folk. Thank you very much, Tim. Yeah, there may or may not be... Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde in this collection of four movies. I don't like to spoil things but you can hear me smiling because I fucking love that movie it is so bad Um, so yeah, you never know, maybe potentially, wink wink, nudge nudge if you know what I mean right, let's keep the party a rolling rolling here, Uh, we are down to our final movie review, I know what you're thinking but Duncan, we've only just begun to leave and you're right we are we've only just begun and we're going to get into some more reviews here we have one left to do that one is obviously the patron saint of movie club he is the final voice you hear a voice of cam rationale to the north of pretty much where everyone else is of course he's a canadian so we won't hold that against him and uh, it's, it's lee russell isn't it what a guy sexy sexy man that he is delivering his thoughts on the movie uh, let's find out what Lee has to say. Alright, Movie Club for JD's Revenge from 1976. Never seen this one before. I'm familiar with a few black exploitation horror films. Generally, they're very hit or miss. This is definitely one that I had not seen. It was a bit of a blind spot. Pleasantly surprised to see that it was directed by Arthur Marks, who did Bonnie's Kids and Detroit 9000, which are both good little uh, sleazy exploitation crap classics. This one, not as sleazy as I thought it was going to be, and not as bloody as I thought it was going to be. It's definitely much more of a character-driven piece. Uh, Definitely takes things very seriously compared to some black exploitation horror films, which 
kind of went for laughs and stuff like that as well. So let's see. First off, I got to tell you, Glenn Thurman here. Fuck, wow. Great performance. He manages to overshadow any shoddiness in this film, really. Any slower parts, anything like that. He just does an amazing job without elaborate special effects or anything like that to change his personality on screen whenever he gets possessed by JD. His character is Ike or Isaac. But you definitely get the sense that there's two different people inside him. And when that JD personality comes, he just turns it on. And it's, it's really good. It's a really good piece of acting. I thought the flashback scenes were really, really good. It's very effective what they did here. Like, they didn't go for big gross-out gags or uh, elaborate special effects because they probably didn't have the budget for it. They didn't try to do The Exorcist. They just, you know, used simple things like JD showing up in a mirror as he sort of takes control of Isaac more and more. And it's really effectively done. And you see the change in personality again, like I said, where he goes from being this really kind, almost meek guy who's just trying to, you know, make money and become a lawyer, you know, stay in law school and become a lawyer. He turns into this monster, this absolute misogynist, rapist, piece of shit, murdering fuck. And the scenes where he, you know, he brings out that switchblade and starts cutting people up and fucking with people. It's great stuff. Louis Gossett Jr. also brings a really great performance, although he is part of one of the real negatives of this film as well, because he's supposed to be in two different time periods in this film. He's depicted in uh, in flashbacks and in present day, and the gap in time between those two is like 30 years, almost 40 years, and he's probably in his late 20s. 20s at the least character wise when he's depicted so to have him look exactly as he fucking looked in the present day in 1976 after you know all they do is they take that ridiculous wig off his head I mean I, I get black don't crack and all but they couldn't at least try to like age him up a little bit like they aged his brother who was the other character at least a little bit um you know, it, it helps that uh, when we see these characters in the flashbacks, it's like Vaseline smeared on the glass or whatever, so it's a little distorted. So the brother character, who is the real villain in this, well, one of the real villains in this, at least, you know, they dye his hair and, and shit like that. So he looks older. He looks like he could be like a 60-year-old black man. But Louis Gossip Jr., uh-uh, does not work does not work and it takes me out of the film quite frankly sometimes also say the ending is rather bullshit it's not believable in the slightest and it wraps up far too quickly and too too happy honestly like these things generally don't you don't want them to end all that happy and it doesn't make sense that it would end happy i mean jd just fucks off after all that scene chewing and desire for revenge uh he doesn't even really directly get involved in the revenge he's been craving all along he just kind of stands back and watches and then he does a little bit of a dance and then disappears yeah uh, I don't buy that too much I think that's that's just a case of they didn't really have an ending yeah but overall this was really good it was a pleasant surprise uh, I'm really excited to see what else we uh, tackle in this uh, black exploitation series for movie club 
I'm gonna give this a three and a half stars out of five and yeah as for the tagline uh, let's go with this JD Walker might not be alive but that won't stop him from taking his revenge and talking jive alright guys we'll see you next month and thank you very much to Lee Russell for that review I think it was almost across the board three and a half out of five what did we have one review maybe two reviews that disagreed with that um, so safe to say we we succeeded everyone enjoyed it at least in varying different degrees uh, and I will take that I will take that as a fucking win put that in a book right now that is that is what, what you call an exercise in epicosity ladies and gents epifuckingcosity um, yeah I'm going to take that one for a walk a little victory lap round the house going yeah I'm so fucking awesome look at me look at me and that is why my wife won't it's a true story true story right uh, we're going to take our final break of this episode when I come back I'm closing out the show and I'm doing it right after this you're listening to the podcast under the stairs And you've been listening to the podcast under the stairs. This has been bonus episode 284. This has been Movie Club Challenge Teapot September 2020. Listener reviews for JD's Revenge. The first of four planned stops along a black exploitation journey. Oh my, have I got a good one picked for you guys dropping next week. Now it will arrive on a slightly different date because next Thursday, a week today, we kick off Bazoween 2020. A little bit of serial killer action starting off with the movie Zodiac by David Fincher. And that drops on the Thursday, so on the Friday instead we will be dropping your assignment. It is a fun one, it is a easily accessible one that is available on Shudder, I think in both the UK and the States, so everyone should have access. I would love to see a lot of people get involved with this one this time around, that would make me smile and happy. So let's see if we can make that happen. Anyway before I get ahead of myself. There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs as always. Wherever you're listening to me right now, hit subscribe. That way you get access to this episode and, that's right, the entire back catalogue. Over 770 episodes of Teapot's content available at the touch of a finger. Doesn't get any better than that. Teapot's Collective, you should also follow that. It has over 100 episodes over there. That's right, how the fuck am I able to do any of this? I don't know. How is anyone still speaking to me? Um, how am I still alive? How do I have anything left to say? These are questions that scholarly people will have to work out someday, somewhere down the road. But yeah, um, over 770 episodes on the Teapots page and on the Teapots Collective, over 100 episodes of varying different shows, whether it's Opera Omnia, Doing the Nasty, Chronicle, or Where to Begin with Jallo. If you subscribe to both, it's the best way to support me because those numbers get locked in. Stats are written and I can see how popular it is, the stuff that I'm doing. It does inform decisions, ladies and gents. It does, trust me. So please do that. Visit the website, tputzcast.com. The merch page is tputzcast.bigcartel.com. You can jump across to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast. That is the podcast under the stairs, Facebook group page. The Teaputz Collective Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash tputzcast. Couldn't be any easier. Could not be any easier easier nice and simple you feel that it's like 
cruise over you the simplicity of it all. Um, you can reach out and touch myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexness. Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at TeapotsCast. The podcast Under the Stairs will return for you, dear listeners, on Saturday as we review a brand new horror title. Um, that movie will be available within the next week in the UK and we're doing a little advanced review for you because you're special and you've earned it. But until then, wherever you are, what the time's on is and what you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off. <laughs>